Hello and welcome, and thank you for joining. I'm your host, Seth Haskin. I started this podcast to dive deeper into the ways we know one another and God. The goal is to ask the question of how God loves. I invite people from many walks of life to join me on this adventure. As we dive deeper into personifying God, we have to bring him into our three-dimensional world, but also understand that he can't fully be understood. Thus, he's in the fourth dimension. I would love to welcome and thank our guest today. He is my freshman RA from Bethel University. Woot, woot. Woot, woot. <laughs> Bodine for life. Come on. Um, he graduated in 2019 with a BA in psychology. After working at a school the next year as a per, uh, paraprofessional, he decided to pursue more schooling. Pursuing an ecological justice degree, he found a seminary called the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. He is now pursuing an LPC license there after swearing in his counseling class in undergrad that he would never go into counseling field. Never. Never. But there you are. You're going into it. (laughs) His love for development and walking through all types of seasons with others drew him back to psychology, and now he is almost halfway through getting a graduate degree. Welcome our guest today, Broderick Head. Also Use. known as Brody. <laughs> Use my full name. You gave it away. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, the hardest question. Um, uh, introspection. I. So yeah. I. Well, first off, yes, I graduated from Bethel. So um, yeah, randomly kind of fell into the program that I was in. I was looking at education, psychology, and Mishman. Also nursing, basically anything that I felt like was immediate impact helping people relationally. Mm-hmm. Um, so sorry, physics and math and all those other departments. I'm you're also relational. I'm not saying you're not, but uh, so don't come at me. But um, <laughs> yeah, I I really realized I love connecting with people. Um, I worked at a camp growing up, uh, Trout Lake Camps, and shout out. yeah, shout out to Trout. Um, so. There's that big Bethel Trout connection. So, you know, <laughs> there's at least 100 people who are like, yeah, I'm that too. Um, but yeah, I think growing up in that environment, um, I really just found that I loved just being with people and um, being developed by others, but also being a developer of um, people younger than me, whether that was campers or. Um, high schoolers when I was in college or younger college freshmen when I was a senior, junior. Um, yeah, I just found myself just so in love with people and spending time with them and getting lost um, at dinner tables and just looking up and realizing we were the only people in wherever we were uh, eating. And whether that was the dining center or a random restaurant, um, yeah, I've just found myself continually inhabiting those spaces where I'm just connecting with others. Um, so yeah, I don't think I can, uh, share anything about myself without realizing just how much I owe other people who've, um, brought me to where I'm at. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Parents. Yeah. Parents, family, friends, schooling, teachers. Oh my gosh. Yes. Teachers. So so many Um, teachers. So I haven't had a graduate Bethel student on the podcast, oh. so I have to ask. Yeah, how is graduate life <laughs> after the four-year degree? Yeah, um, it's just perfect. There's nothing wrong ever. It's just so easy. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's exactly it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. Yeah, I don't think 
it's so interesting graduating. I feel like so many people are in this love Bethel, nothing wrongs with it mm -hmm. mentality while they're there or when they graduate. But then a lot of people graduate and just kind of have a really purely cynical view of it and their time there even. Um, and I think I like weaved my way between both of them. And I'm kind of at this place where I can appreciate, I think, a lot of the good things that Bethel did for me. And at the same time, I can see a lot of the flaws in the institution, which mm -hmm. all institutions have. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I'm not going to paint Bethel into this like utopian uh, college because it's not. There's tons of flaws. But is there any uh, any utopian colleges out there that you know of? You know one? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, but I'm not going <laughs> to say. Cause You're not allowed to. You're not. I'm not allowed to say. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, yeah, it's being able to hold the both end and recognize that, yeah, um, ever since graduating, like there, I think there was also this kind of pressure while at Bethel to like get the most out of my experience here because it's going to be gone and then you know, the golden years of your life are over. <laughs> like you, you only have four years, you know, make the most of it. These are the most relational years of your life. Like get what you can. And I think there's so much of that pressure on me that when I left Bethel um, and just the community that I created here, and that was also just forming around me without me even doing anything. Um, which also the flip side of that, I know there's a lot of people who don't find that community and it's very hard. Um, but for me, I was able to thankfully find that belonging and create that. Um, and leaving was like the hardest thing I think I've ever gone through in my life. Um, I've went through a breakup that was really hard, but that was like layers and layers of grief that I just had to peel back for the next few months. And um, literally just like bawling my eyes out, like driving away from Freshman Hill for the last time, uh, just cause yeah, that place had really become home and it's hard to leave home. Um, trust me, I've experienced that with you Yeah, you know, cause it was your senior year and my freshman year. And, um, that was even, even for me, it was hard to leave Freshman Hill, even though I'm continuing my education because that experience was so different than mm. anything I experienced in my life. And it was so amazing. What, so. what was different about it? Um, well, COVID um, <clears throat> compared to the other years here at Bethel. Yeah. But I think Bethel does a really good job with their freshmen and giving them this huge experience mm -hmm. um, of one living on your own, building a huge community. Um, and then like, I was just blessed with a great floor and a great RA, shout out, um, to uh, Bodine 1 2018. Yes, 2018. Well, 2018, 2019. 2018, yeah. 2019. Same difference. Same difference. Um, but, like, we just kicked it off so well, and I know mm. a lot of floors didn't get that, so I am just so happy that that happened. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I was blessed by you guys. Yeah. So. <laughs> For your last year. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I was torn. I was going to try to be an ARD. I, I think you know this. Yeah. And I didn't get the job. And so I remember multiple talks being like, yeah, I think I'm going to live off campus next year and just do my own thing. And my RD, uh, Adam Dvorak, shout out. Uh, shout out. He Adam. basically convinced me like, I think you should give another go. Um, we sat down and had a couple conversations. And next thing you know, I was like, you know what? Yeah, sure. We'll do a second year of this. 
and I'm so glad I did. Uh, yeah, because like you you were saying at the end of that year, just multiple conversations with you and the other guys, and just so many run-ins on the floor where just like the conversation would end in a hug or just bawling our eyes out um, because yeah, I think what you spoke on with the difference is just like, I think so much of our society is um, like, you don't have meaningful relationships where you're actually doing however cliche this statement is. Yeah. Living together and doing Doing life life together. together. Yes, exactly. And how much people might cringe at that, like finding that true sense of community where you're surrounded by people who are like you in many ways, but also who are different than you in so many ways. And to be able to have relationships that are just weird because you know, and because you're known and you're fully known and like, and, and you get to fully know and maybe not fully in the fullest sense, but yeah, you get to start to see behind um people's outer personas and it's just man that is so rewarding and that is so cool and that is just ah, that's the relationship i think god intended for us to have with each other and it's so lost in like the church and in you know other schools and even in this school so many people don't have that and so to be able to find that that year like ah, that was a strong floor yeah we still talk today so like yeah. we still get together and do reunion type things. So that was, that was a strong floor. So definitely. Yeah, no, it was a, that was a very powerful experience. Um, yeah. So hence, I think the year ending was just so difficult mm-hmm. and it felt like a loss. <laughs> yeah. So relationships is what we talk about here. Mm, really? We already uh, kind of talked about them. Yeah. Uh, but I always ask this question to everybody when they come on, and it is, what comes to mind when you hear the word relationship? Mm. What's your interpretation of it? And it could be anything. Yeah. No wrong answers. No. Or only wrong answers, actually. Only wrong answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to give a wrong answer. Um, and then someone can correct me, and then we can have more of a relationship because of it. Come on. Um... I think of, when I think of relationships, man, I think, I think of wrestling, I think is something I've been thinking about more and more. And, and there's obviously, yeah, there's so many ways to go with that question. It's kind of loaded, but I, th- I like, yeah, thinking of, of Israel, you know, and like in the beginning, yeah, just that that wrestling with God, like that's going to be your blessing. Like your name is like to wrestle and we get to wrestle with God, but we also get to wrestle with each other. And that's like the beauty of it, of relationships I think is, is it not being perfect? It's not being like, Oh, present to me this like outer perfect you and I'll do the same. And we can go on our merry way and have no problems. No, like, ah, like, good true relationship is like no let's let's get messy together and it's i mean wrestling in itself is a very sweaty sport yes (laughs) yeah exactly like oh man and like yeah i i just think that's 
I don't know, as I hopefully am maturing in this life, like seeing relationships more and more as like, where's my vulnerability showing up in them and not like, I don't know. Uh, so I go to counseling and my counselor said once he told me, he said, you're really good at transparency. <laughs> like you're like a magician. Like you can show what it is that others will think of as vulnerability because you're letting them see something um, that they think is meaningful. And it is meaningful. But the difference between vulnerability and transparency is is letting someone see like the true rawness and the parts that you would rather not reveal. Whereas transparency is, oh, yeah, this is the part of me that I feel okay presenting. Mm -hmm. And I think relationships are about getting past the transparency and really diving into the vulnerability. And that's so hard. <laughs> and it's, it's not easy at all. Um, but... I think that's the the beauty in in having real real relationships with people. Is, and relationships are messy. Yeah, they're messy, you know? and sometimes they are just going to be transparent. And mm -hmm. and yeah, I I some know some are easier than others. Yeah, some and are, sometimes you have to work harder for the other ones. Yes, exactly. And there's different seasons and all that. And there's there's so much to them. But um, yeah, I think that's a little bit of what I think of when I think of relationships. All right. Yeah. Do you? How do you? How does that affect your uh, vision of relationship with God? Yeah, oh, that's so good. I think, I think so much of what we know of God should well not. I don't know if that's a should, but I think it is revealed through our relationships with others. Mm -hmm. And I think so often we think of God as a separate type of relationship. That like you, and I, I think it is kind of like what you're saying in the title, even like four dimensions, there's this mysterious component to God mm -hmm. that we can never fully comprehend. But I think that's also true in our relationships with one another. Like mm -hmm. I can, I can think that I fully know someone and yet I don't. Um, <laughs> and I can think I fully know myself and yet I don't. And uh, yeah, I just see so much of God in my relationships with others um, to the point where like if someone asks me, which I found more and more recently, um, people will ask me like, oh, like what's this person like? How do you, how do you see them? Like what are things you like about them? And I'm, I'm finding myself more and more lost for words in those moments. And I think it's like when we, when we love someone so much, we don't have this list of reasons why we love them. It's almost like we just do. <laughs> like, I just love spending time with them. I love being with them. And I think it's similar with God, I'm finding, is that, like, it's not this, like, I don't know, this God that I can just put X amount in and get Y, and, like, that's why I, I, I love God. It's... Mm -hmm. It's so it's so indescribable. <laughs> and like uh, I think that's why there's so many analogies to God throughout scripture is because like it's just human graspings for words of this thing that we cannot fully comprehend and fully describe. Mm -hmm. And if we were honest, I think it's the same with our relationships. We can't fully wrap up someone in, you know, a bunch of words. Like mm -hmm. there's this level to it that will never make sense no matter what we say. Um, so 
I don't know. I I don't know if that deviated from the question. No, but, um, it yeah. it it definitely taps into this idea of how we view God, um, can be seen in how we view relationships in general, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to different types of relationships. And yeah. um, I, re- I you brought up the fact of, um, sometimes you don't know why you just love them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's very. I think that's very important to understand that sometimes we just don't know. Yeah. You know, we could try to put names and labels on it, um, but sometimes we just don't know. And with God, sometimes we just don't know why he loves us. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I mean, just thinking about that. Yeah. You know, trying to make a parallel there and simile uh, between that idea of sometimes we just don't know why we love him. Mm -hmm. But the same can be said to like, why does God love us? You know? And I think that's one of the questions um, that I try to tackle in this podcast is why does God love us? And, you know, thinking about, you know, background of psychology, like what what could be, you know, a psychological reasoning for us loving someone like that, you know, and just sometimes there are no answers, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's just interesting. And the way we dive deeper into understanding one another can help us dive deeper into understanding God. Yeah. Um, not Not as if he is human in that aspect full like he he is out there too Mm -hmm. you know yeah he um he is totally fully god too yeah um but brings up a thought of uh somebody had mentioned before on the podcast zach walker c.s lewis this idea of uh zach walker no c.s lewis c.s lewis you don't know who c.s lewis is (laughs) he is a um big um uh dominant christian writer um, during his time, and still his books proceed today, um, is the idea of a lock and a door, and like this idea of when you and I come together, I have doors, mm-hmm. and that you may have keys mm. to certain doors that I didn't know existed. Or I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was just this idea of people have keys to unlock parts of you that you may not know that you had, mm. or that you may... Um, never experienced with someone else and only they hold that key. Yeah. So, and then I kind of relate it back to, um, um, this idea of there's a third person in the room when two people come together. Yeah. There's this third person that you act as a whole that you wouldn't act separately. Yeah. You know, let's say it's just humor or something. Maybe you don't have that kind of humor unless you're together with someone. Yeah. So I just, it, that was a tangent anyway. No, I love it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Like, yeah. And I think that's that's why we need other people. It's mm-hmm. because we realize who we are in relationship, but we also realize who God is, and we also realize who others are. Like, and it's just also connected. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. So I remember having these types of discussions <laughs> all the time. Freshman year, I'd just walk into your room after like a long session of grinding on homework, and I'd just be like, uh, "I had this thought," and then we just talk. And I think that's. That's something that I'm trying to emulate on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, emulate on this podcast, because sometimes it just needs to be where there's a platform or there is a place or there is a person that you can just go to and just be like, here's a thought. Yeah. And there's no um, being like, oh, that's a bad thought. You know, yeah. it's just like, here's a thought, you know, because yeah. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has had it. Yeah. You no, know, there are <laughs> 7.9 billion people on earth. This idea could be possibly thought about before. 
but I've never we've never vocalized it per se. But yeah. um, one of the uh, uh, conversations I remember having with you was about this idea of communion mm. and how we were talking about to give background to our relationship and this conversation as we go into it is the idea of how communion can be just more than just this um, uh, ritual of churches mm-hmm. um, in the sense, but also more than just, you know, just the bread, just the, the, the stereotypical wafers and grape juice at church. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so what do you remember from that conversation specifically? Yeah, I remember, was that in my room or was that in the dining center? It's probably happened more than once. I think so. Probably both places. I remember in the dining center, though, looking across from you once and saying, this is communion. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, I get sentimental about it because... It's like I, th- I think a large part of, at least our, our Christianity as we've known it, and, you know, mm-hmm. a white evangelical, American, um, reformed Protestant, reformed Protestant, <laughs> all those labels. I th- so much of our tradition, ha- I think, loses that. Like loses the. We're so dualistic, <laughs> and we we have this sacred secular separation. And Christ is sitting at this table and he goes, every time you eat and drink, remember me, like eat of this cup, like eat of this bread, drink of this cup. And I think that my interpretation, yeah, do it and remembers me. I think my, my interpretation of, of Jesus is like every time, like every time you eat, every time you drink, every time you're at a table with others, like do it in remembrance of me, like remember what God did taking on the form of a man <laughs> and then sacrifice and sacrificing and the, the sa- sacred choosing, choosing to become the secular and choosing to, in that sense, choosing to come down and be like the creation, the creator choosing to be like creation and that being the ultimate showing of love. And, Oh man, like, and then the as the church we have we have separated what was combined what christ combined and we've made it into this here's the sacred everything else is secular again and like thrown in all our hierarchies of who administrates the eucharist who gets to eat the eucharist when christ said this is for all (laughs) like (laughs) sitting at tables with the sinners and the outcasts and choosing to do life with those people. And here we are saying, if you're not a Christian, if you haven't accepted, you can't partake of this meal. And, oh my gosh, I just, what would Jesus say? (laughs) Jesus would go, no, no, open the doors. Let, let all those dirty people in the people who we say are unclean, let them come and eat and drink and, Gosh, I, I mean, that's Jesus to me. And I think we, we just lose that in, in the ritualistic hierarchical way that we have made communion. Um, sorry, that's kind of a soapbox and tangent. Um, 
but I don't know. I, so I think for me, that conversation that we had, um, I think I, I had that type of conversation with a lot of people and the reason for it was always, man, like let's open our eyes to see that the sacred is already here. It's all around us. We just have to see it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, uh, gosh, that's, I want to live life like that. I don't want to live life like here's my sacred portion of life on a Sunday and the rest of the week is mundane and normal and regular. I want, I want it to be regular and mundane, but I want the sacred to enter into it, you know, and I, I want to have those, that perspective. Um, cause yeah, I think it changes the way we live. Yeah. I remember a lot of the conversation and how I would bring up the idea of, for me, there is, there is time for communion as followers of Christ, mm-hmm. partaking in that the Last Supper. You know, if you are a believer and you're doing it in remembrance of God, mm-hmm. um, so I think there is that aspect too. But I also believe that. We don't have to have these barriers of communion that we have amongst fellow Christians. Oh yeah. Um for, sure. for me, communion is 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 more than just this ritual that I think the the church has it as. Um communion for me as well could be sitting down at a table with fellow followers of Christ. And opening uh, a box of Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I see that you brought some. I did. Um, sitting down at a <laughs> table, they look good. Um, Would you eat during the podcast? Is that acceptable? I will probably wait till the end. Okay. I don't want to do ASMR here. Oh, shoot. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but yeah, this idea of sitting down at a table, and I think it can become a discipline mm-hmm. too, a spiritual discipline. We always say we should pray before a meal, but why can't we just make it a spiritual discipline to just not just pray, but also do it in remembrance of what Jesus did? Yeah. As Christ, as Christ followers, I think sometimes it's so hard, especially where we don't suffer in the same retrospect that uh, early Christians do or Christians in other countries do. Mm -hmm. That in remembrance of God, we can kind of bring ourselves back to what he did, you know, at, at every meal and like be thankful in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I would I would have a line of communion not being, I want it to be sacred, mm-hmm. but also in everyday life. But yeah. so I wouldn't do it empty heartedly. And I think yeah. that is the worry for the church is that if we do it, it'd become empty hearted. And that's why you have the divide between the Protestant and like the Catholic, the Catholics, like this is, this is like our continuation of uh, commitment, you know, after uh, baptism and so on and so forth mm-hmm. or whatever. And like in the Protestant reform, Protestant and all the evangelical, they're like, well, we don't want to do it every Sunday because then it just becomes ritual and it's whatever, whatever. And they both have their different thoughts of views. And it's, yeah. I think both are important to understand but I think the core lies for communion that um, if you're doing it in remembrance of what Jesus did for you and for everyone, mm-hmm. I think it becomes a very powerful thing. And I think it's even more powerful to think about the fact that Jesus did it over a meal. Yeah. Because everyone has to eat. Yeah. 
everyone has to eat to live. I think it was just, I, I'm very specific about food. And like, I think the way food has become in um, fast food in uh, culture is not as great to me. But, yeah. um, but I think something that we can just bring to the table food and we can have communion with people. Yeah. We can gather together as a body of followers and fellowship become vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, We can do a whole bunch of things, you know, in remembrance of what Jesus did for us. Yeah. And we're all different people with all different backgrounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing is coming together like that table would have not made any sense to anyone socially, politically, economically, like in Jesus's day, like that table had people from all walks of life around Fishermen, it. Yeah. tax collectors, doctors. <laughs> yeah, and the, you know, the betrayer of Jesus himself. And it's like you like, and yeah, it's like, are we creating tables where that's happening, where we're having people get together like, Today, it would be having, you know, the far right Trumpist and the far left like socialists, you know, in America, like at the same table, having dialogue and having conversation and eating a meal together. And it's like, man, is that is that the Christianity that we're a part of? Um, Because if it isn't, (laughs) I don't know if we're serving the Christ or if we're serving the Christ of our own making. yeah, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, is is the table bringing people together? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. And maybe that's, maybe the table is so not a part of our Christianity today in many circles. Like, I think it has really become, I was thinking about this a little bit before, and I think so much of our church background, like, I think stages have really replaced tables. And mm-hmm. I I think there's just that's just so problematic cuz yeah it's like we're not we're not feeding together we're not we're not also there's less room to be the one to feed um like we're Providing not part, gift, yeah, yeah we're not participating it's becoming this top down mode of being for the church and oh, man I mean there is a place for stages. Oh, yeah. I mean, the early churches had those, but at the same time, those were just like, let's gather our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Let's gather as a body real quick and go over some of the probably heresies or blasphemous things that people were doing. Because that, that's a lot of the New Testament after the Gospels. Yeah. These are letters to the churches, mm-hmm. um, not about... Um, doing so on and so forth, but it was just like, this is what, like, Jesus said, th- we we got to make sure that this theology is right. Yeah. But outside of that, yeah. that's when you're supposed to be the community. That's when you're supposed to demonstrate the Lord's love. Yeah. You know, these this is the time at church time to come together and go over these theological things. That's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But at, outside of that, we have to be the body of Christ. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where the table could be so important, yeah. gathering around food um, and just doing communion together and it doesn't even have to be like every time you are like take of this and in whatever whatever but it could just be a remembrance Mm -hmm. of what god did you know like just thanking him in a prayer you know just like the way in which we go about life and i think i was talking with my uncle about this um he he's we were talking about different cultures and the way they view 
certain things and we got on the subject of work. And he's like, it's not even work though. It's this culture of busyness in yeah. the Western, uh, especially in America, America, especially. I can't speak for most Western cultures, but America, especially this a culture of busyness mm-hmm. and taking the time to discipline yourself to that, uh, uh, that to sit down and have a meal, not at your desk, yeah, but a with s- other people, a slow meal at a table. Yeah. Because in other, in other European countries, when they have lunch, they take, they, they go to it's get away lunch, from work. It's, it's a, a lunch break. break. And they yeah. go to the pub for like two hours, you know, yeah. and they, and they commune yep. and it builds this re- work relationship. That's great. And you, and there's there's not a lot of conflict or competition that's unhealthy, mm-hmm. um, which is a big thing that happens sometimes in the workplace in America. And so this idea that we could take from their culture and use it in our culture to understand that we need to get away of this life of busyness. Yeah, my uncle said we sometimes wear it as like a badge. Oh yeah, of like oh I'm busy. I know I'm busy. I do. <laughs> you know, and so yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's good to just like not have that mentality and understand that busyness isn't what everything's about. Yeah. You know, we need to take those breaks because yeah. if we're always busy, where's the time to remember what the Lord did for us? And maybe that time could be three times a day, yeah. every meal. <laughs> yeah. Or just like when you're in the car, mm. you know, yeah. if you're carpooling, that could be a time of remembrance, you yeah. know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Just taking the time to, not do but to be yeah like god rested on the seventh day and that theme of rest is just so prevalent like jesus getting away to the mountaintop like spending that time um a lot of christians talk about their quiet time during the day you know and um yeah that idea though is i think really really valuable of just recognizing that we don't have to just be doing all the time. And I think that is, in essence, what communion like does. It reminds us that we have worth with the Father just through being and being with one another and growing together and um, being in the Spirit. And just, yeah, I don't know. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the word communion in itself Literally. is relational. Yeah. Um, it has to. To be in communion, you have to be with others. Something has to be shared with others, whether it's an experience, food or whatever, whatever. So I I just don't understand this idea of, I understand the thought of individual individualism in the Christian context. And like, it's about your relationship with God, but also if you're in relationship with God, that means you're in relationship relationship with with others. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have an individual. I I've heard, people before say that you cannot have individualistic faith. Like it does not exist. Um, Cause yeah, we were not created singular, like God created multiple. And so <laughs> God is multiple, right? Like, so yeah. You He's li- in relation with himself. Yeah, exactly. Like you literally can't have God or you can't, yeah, you just can't have it just singular. And so, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I love that idea of and, and just seeing faith as so much more than my own doing, but like what am I doing in community and having that reflect more of my faith than anything else. I mean, com- communion is in the word community, so. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so Also, what's cool, companion, I learned this the other day, compa- uh, the 
the panion part is like bread, which it also makes sense, pan in Spanish, pan, mm-hmm. bread. But like, so companion literally means like sharing of bread. And so it's the people that you share bread with. Wow. <laughs> so I mean, like etymology people, come looking on. up etymology of words is great. <laughs> so um, fun. It so. is so fun. It is so fun. But I think, I think that relationships are so intrinsical to understanding God. Yeah. Um, I think that sometimes we lose focus, even at Christian institutes like Bethel, that we talk about community all the time, mm. but we never talk about what that community looks like. I feel like sometimes we always say we're going to be a community and these are the things that we're going to do to try to be a community, but we, we, we never understood what, community looks like what does it look like yeah i mean we started it i think bethel was going in the right direction and i think they still are but i think there was this hiccup when COVID hit and i think that um that has been a big player in uh bethel's reasoning for everything but also like just in the church and in fellow uh christ followers this idea of um community i think needs to be like what does that look like and what's the best examples of it and i think some of the best examples are um god himself mm-hmm. so the best examples can be found in the bible you know especially with when jesus came to earth you know um yeah i think that's something i've been trying to figure out ever since graduating mm-hmm. is what what does community really look like um so, yeah, because going back to that prior question about post-grad life, I don't think Bethel prepares you, and I don't think any school fully prepares you for leaving college mm-hmm. and needing to create community. And I think the biggest lie that we're told is that this is the only time that this community is going to feel this strong if you have it now. Like, that's this is the only time you're going to be so close with a bunch of people and I, th- it's just, it sounds like we're given such a hopeless template. And so then we graduate and we move on and we live according to that template. And <laughs> I mean, I just want to call BS on it because you can find that authentic raw community because this is something someone told me when I was, I used to, um, think about transferring my freshman year mm-hmm. because I was kind of sick of like this false Christianese culture and I just wanted people to be more open and real and instead of put up this facade all the time and so I was thinking about transferring and a buddy sat me down and he told me I'll never forget and he said you know we don't get to go somewhere and find the perfect community we have to go and create the perfect community however Mm -hmm. imperfect that still is and that will always stick with me and i think yeah that's what gives me hope now being a graduate is trying to find the ways and create the ways in which i can kind of replicate this authentic knowing that i found while at bethel and yeah, some days it feels like it more than others. But man, like we, yeah, we can always have deep relationships and we can always have deep knowing communities. We just have to 
realize that we're not stuck in the template that we've been given um, that says we can't find it here or there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know, yeah, how many people are listening who maybe feel like, yeah, they're going to lose their community once they graduate or whatever or are graduated and are wondering where to find it. But it's it's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just have to open our eyes to see, you know, and uh, that gives me hope. Um, yeah. I think the reason, I don't know about other colleges, but at Bethel, the reason why community feels so strong here compared to when after you graduate, theory, don't know. Yeah. Um, is that you live with others. Yeah. And you do life with others. Yeah. So, like, that's why it's so hard to leave your family. Yeah. Because you lived with them. Yeah. And you did life with them. That's why I think it's so hard to leave here because you lived with them and you did life with them. Yeah. Um, you may have a fresh uh, freshman relationship that lasts you all of college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's something to be said about that um, when it comes to leaving any community. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest issues I find in communities is that sometimes we just don't live life together. Yeah. And my thought process behind that is very different than a lot of other people's because there are times where I assume one relationship status with a person that I roomed with and that's not the way it was mm. when it came to sharing food or whatnot. You know, it just wasn't that way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think different levels of people's acceptance to those things when living with each other. And I think that's what creates sometimes a strong connection with people. Mm is that you live with them and you get to experience those relationships every day, day in and day out. Yeah. And so that's why when it comes to the workplace, places you spend a lot of time, I think that's where the most important places are to have community, are to have communion. You're spending a lot of your life with these people. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea in America is that it's all, it's just business. Yeah. It's, it's corporation thinking it's just business. Um, I'm not here to make friends. This idea, I'm like, you're spending a lot of your life here. Yeah. Why don't you build a community around that? And then when stuff happens, mm-hmm. you have a support group. Yeah. And you don't leave that with ill-mannered intents or you don't have a grudge or you don't have a certain thought process about this business or these people that you've been with forever. Yeah. And we don't other people when we do that. Yeah. Well, imagine what would happen if every Christian self-proclaimed Christian in the U S today created their church in a way where they were just the people that they're around every day doing life with working with. And like, then they went and got fed the yeah. word. Like a a, mm-hmm. a coworker <laughs> who is constantly connecting with you emotionally and spiritually and just, you know, in all these different ways and inviting you over for meals and doing life and getting to know them. Like if that was the Christian workforce in America, I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Who wouldn't want to go <laughs> work at that job, work at that job or be alongside people or who, be at that job? For a really long time. Yeah, exactly. And 
And I think as Christians, too, I think that then becomes our question of, okay, well, what type of jobs are we inhabiting as well? Like, are we are we doing jobs that are doing good work in the world and that are making a difference and that are places where we want to show up to every day? Well, making a difference as in, like, it doesn't have to be big. Yeah, 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 exactly. But, like, doing work that needs to be done. And, and doing work alongside others that we want to get to know and that are also people that are on the outs of society and who are marginalized and who are oppressed and who are told by the world that, you know, they're weird or whatever. And so many other labels to those people. But if Christians were the ones to go into all those spaces and to say, hey, everyone's welcome at the table. Everyone's welcome to my house after work. Everyone's... Wow, like that, that changes things like that. uh, And I think that that puts a lot of pressure on then us and how we're living. Um, But I know I've been convicted of that recently. I work um, a couple part-time jobs and one of them at a food building um, in Northeast Minneapolis and just realizing, wow, like these coworkers of mine, I get to know them. Like that is such a cool blessing. And yeah, one of my coworkers, he's Jewish and it's just so fun to have these deep talks with him and then to be asked, oh, wait, where do you live? And I go, oh, I live in a church actually. And he goes, oh, sick. I should come over sometime. And not in an evangelistic way, Mm -hmm. but in just a doing life way of like, yeah, come over, let's hang out. (laughs) And it's just like, are we are we in those types of relationships with people or are those just our work like coworkers are they just our coworkers are they just this and yeah and i uh, so much of my desire in my heart is to bring these spheres of my life together more and more where it's i have these friends from the past these people all sorts of people just able to come together and just yeah, like create a space for them to be. And I, man, that's, I think my hope and my desire is just for that type of community where I am creating a space where people can just come and be um, all the time, every day. And that looks different on one day compared to another, but um, having that be at the center of it, um, yeah, I don't know. And I don't know what it looks like, but I'm trying to figure it out. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think it's just this, uh, yeah, once again, going back to the table, like the idea that the table's open all the time. So, yeah. yeah. So we're coming to a close of yeah. um, this episode. Great stuff in it. Um, Love talking about it. <laughs> oh, so good. It's so good. I kind of miss these talks, you know, thinking about reminiscing on the good old days, as they say. <laughs> yeah. You know me. I'm so old now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's so easy sometimes to fantasize about the past and try to not to apply that to the future. Yeah. Um, but there, the, my last question for you is, if there's one thing you learned from life that helps you envision a relationship with God better, what is it and how can we turn that into a spiritual discipline? Man. One thing. Well, sorry. I no. Was hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, 
that's a hard question because I think it, we're all so different. Mm-hmm. We commune with God so differently. Like I, re- I remember hearing once someone at, like ask like how how do we connect with God, and the response from whatever wise sage it was <laughs> said, well there are seven something billion people in the world. That is how many ways there are to connect with God. And I, I really like that idea. Um, I think for me, it's been realizing that my connection with God comes in the disturbances of my schedule. <laughs> recently, and so talking about busyness earlier, I've been really convicted of that recently. Um, anytime something bad has happened recently, those are the moments that I find myself yelling at God and God saying, oh, there you are. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it's, it's seeing the interruptions in our life. And this can be applied to the rituals that mm-hmm. we have in our life. I think those are always moments where we're able to more clearly recognize that God is always trying to get in. And God Mm -hmm. is always trying to interrupt and be and show up um, because God's always there. And the interruptions have reminded me that that is the case. I just need to to stop trying to control things and to, to let my schedule and my way and my rightness go and just be open to what is. And I think, yeah, it's gesturing, right? It's like having open hands and having them out in front of me. And that's what communion does too, to tie it back to that. It's like we have to receive. And so often we're, we have clenched hands and clenched fists and we want to hold on. And God's always like, no, 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 let go. <laughs> um, so I, that's not a complete um, one-to-one application, no, I think. But yeah. That's uh, that's been one thing I've been learning recently. So, and we'll keep learning as lifelong learners. I've learned, yeah. <laughs> I think I least. get the message. I'm like, okay, God, I got it now. And then it, <laughs> it happens again, and I'm like, ah, shucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, being okay with the uncertainty and not knowing, um, yeah, it's it's good. It's hard though. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Brody, for joining me on this episode. Um, it was great to see your face again. I'm glad we were able to connect even after graduation and freshman year. Oh, yeah. um, it's always great to chat with you. So we always have discussions like this that sometimes we do end up being the last ones at <laughs> the restaurant. Um, <laughs> Usually. Usually. I love it. It was uh, so good. Yeah. Seth, you, you're such a blessing. And, well, thank uh, you. Yeah, I always appreciate our convos. Yeah. So. Well, thank you again, Brody. And um to everyone out there wherever you go there you'll be oh you're right come on come on all right thanks (laughs)